0: Resurrection, hope, new life, and the death of death. These are the words of Easter. These are the words of Christianity. And this, these are the words that today is all about. However, I'm going to add two words. Two words that often aren't associated with Easter, but they have everything to do with Easter. And those words are burdens, and moxie. Today, we're going to see how our burdens plus the resurrection equals moxie. And I've got a moxie cola here. I don't know if you know what a moxie cola is, but they are very pungent, Uh, just like someone who has moxie. And I have six of them. So if you want moxie today, you can come and get a moxie cola along with the moxie that you get from Christ. So here's the question, though. What is moxie? Moxie is grit, it's strength. A person with moxie is someone who is a mountain that cannot be moved by the problems of this world. A person with moxie can take a punch and those punches somehow make them wiser and stronger. The person with moxie has found the secret, the strange secret to having joy in the midst of suffering They have found this jewel of how to be content when the world throws everything at them. No matter what the situation. However, they are not content with the way that the world around them is. They carry no burdens, yet they are burdened by what is happening in the world around them where they see hurting, death, suffering, loss, and pain. So while they carry no burdens, they are compelled to act by the power of the resurrection within them, and that is their moxie. So today what we're going to look at is first the secret of moxie, second the elixir of moxie, third the use of burdens to create moxie in your life, and then fourth this beautiful but scary truth that the worst it gets the better you become. So I'm going to read to you. We're going to be in 1 Peter three through First Peter one three through nine, and it'll be up on the screen. And then I'm going to jump to Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty. So here is how Peter speaks of the resurrection. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise in glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then Jesus says these words to us in Matthew. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. About two years ago, we went through a series that we called Moxie in the book of Philippians. And it took us about four months to talk about what Moxie is and how you get it. Now, fast forward, the current series we're in is called The Awakening, and it is in the book of James. And here we start to see glimmers of James speaking of things that sound like Moxie, and then today we're in 1 Peter, and Peter seems to be speaking of Moxie. So, here's what I have to conclude now, from the last two years of digging into What appears to be this word moxie is that these apostles were writing these letters to churches, and one of the main themes that they are trying to get these Christians to live into is a life of moxie. So, here's what they do. They speak of being content no matter the situation you are in. These apostles speak of having joy in the midst of your sufferings, and they speak of having a strength. In a peace that passes all understanding. Now, these apostles use different words for moxie. Here are the words they use. Endurance, steadfastness, or strength. So endurance or steadfastness, what is it? It's faith that has been stretched out through your life. It's faith that has been stretched into the trials that you go through, into the pain that you go through, into the loss that you go through. It's taking this pain and this faith and bringing them together and it produces moxie. Faith in the day-to-day stuff of life. Faith is like a heavenly thread that is woven into the fabric of whatever faces you today or tomorrow. So if you want joy, if you want peace, if you want contentment and a strength that cannot be robbed from you ever, you take faith which you stretch out through your life and it produces this moxie in you. And this faith, you need to hear this, does not make your problems go away. But this faith gives you moxie in the midst of your problems. So let's go to our verses in Peter. He links this moxie specifically to faith in the resurrection. Now, this line, that, this, this, all these verses we have from Peter, this is one sentence in the Greek, and it is packed with meaning. But what I want to do right now is get laser-focused in understanding how your burdens plus faith in the resurrection produces moxie in your life. It says the resurrection you have is an inheritance. It's undefiled, unfading, and imperishable. So what's this res- what, what is this inheritance? It is a new record where all the things that you have done wrong in your life have been wiped clean from your record. And all the goodness of who Christ is and how he lived has been credited to your record. But it's not only that. It's also a new heart where you have these new desires and these new wants and you, and you become transformed day by day more into who you're meant to be, and then you're also in this inheritance given a new world that is beginning even now to inhabit this world. And then it says the key to all of this is though you don't see him, you love him and believe in him. Faith. And then he starts talking about your trials. It says so that, so that the tested genuineness of your faith that's been tested by fire may result in praise and honor and glory. So, here's what it's saying. No matter what the world throws at you, you can only be transformed by the burdens and the trials and the suffering and the pain. It will only do one thing to you, transform you through faith in the resurrection. So look at the burdens. You've been grieved by trials, so that the genuineness of your faith might be tested, which is more precious than gold that perishes. Now gold, when it is tested by the fire and it's put through the fire, it's done for something called smelting. Why would you burn gold? Because what it does is it melts off everything that isn't gold. So the same way with you in your life, you are being brought through the burdens, the fiery burdens, the fiery trials. What are they doing to you? They're melting off everything that isn't the version of you. That you will one day be in heaven. Refining you. Making you more of who you're meant to become. So when life throws problems at you, it can only do two things. One, it proves if you have faith or not. And then two, it burns off everything that is not you. And in the end, when you see the glory of gold after it goes through the fire, the same way when you've gone through the trials you see the glory of what now you have become through them. The glory of God is man fully alive. And when you face the trials that you face, somehow, while you think these trials are killing you, your faith is actually refining you and making you more alive, more of the version that you're meant to become. And if the glory of God is man fully alive, then it's through the trials that you are tested by, coming out like gold, that God becomes glorified. Now, all of this, we see hinges on faith in the resurrection. But it is not a metaphorical Resurrection. A lot of times people will say, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in the resurrection. Not a literal historical resurrection, but a metaphorical resurrection. Now, here's the problem with this, and I can promise you this. Faith in a metaphorical resurrection will not get you through the suffering, pain, and loss that this world throws at you. We talk a lot each Easter about the logic in the rationality of, around why you believe in a historical, literal resurrection. But today, that's not what we're doing. Today, all I want you to hear is that a metaphor does not have the power to lift you up when you have been knocked to the ground by this world. Therefore, the secret to getting this moxie, the secret to being a mountain that can't be moved, the secret to taking a punch, the secret to having contentment no matter what situation in life you're in, the secret of having peace that passes all understanding, and even joy in the midst of suffering, the secret to it all is a literal faith and a literal resurrection. Now, every time we talk about moxie, it's very clear everybody wants to have this. And so the question is, how do you get it? And the answer is by faith in the resurrection, according to Peter. But how do you get that faith in the resurrection? And it starts with just a sliver of hope. A fool's hope, even. You just dare. You, you, you are just being a little bit open-minded for once. And the hope, the seed of hope, just sits there. And it sits there for a while. And then you start facing a trial. You start facing pain and suffering and loss. And you start looking for anything. And you become desperate. And finally you risk belief. And it's interesting that desperation always seems to be a prerequisite to becoming a Christian. It's only in the darkness When you feel like all hope is lost and you're just reaching for a fool's hope anywhere, you can see nothing, you're just grappling for something, and then you find a hand. And it's the hand of the resurrected Christ who has come into the darkness to lift you up out of it. And it's only in the desperation that you find that hand. And he is the only one, the only one who could pull you and yank you up out of the darkness because he's the only one who went into the deep, deepest dungeon of death and died and then rose and therefore has the power, the only one who has the power to lift you up out of anything that you are going through. And for some of you, you're not finding him because you're not being honest about how bad it really is. You're not taking a realistic look at the pain and suffering and loss that you're experiencing. You don't want to face it. It's too painful. And so you close your eyes to it. You ignore it. You want anything to escape from it. And here, it's him that you reach for in it. But you don't find him unless you are in it. And so you've got to look right at it. And then you've got to dare to hope. And then you find him. And that brings us to our second point, the elixir that's created, this elixir of moxie. And so you take your burdens, then you take faith in the resurrection, and it gives you this moxie, and you come out greater than gold. But the hardest part of all this is figuring out how to stir up your burdens, your faith, and the third part, Christ's involvement in all of this. So in order to do this, you've got to become a chemist. You've got to become an alchemist. You've got to become like this mad scientist. And you you don't just arrive at moxie. You start trying out these different combinations. So let me explain what I'm meaning here. So we take our Matthew verse now. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls, rest from your burdens. So Jesus here is saying, give me everything. Your guilt, your shame, your pain, your suffering, heartbreak, heartache, give it all to me. And don't hold one little back and one little bit back. And we try to. We try to hold it back. We think we can handle it. And he presses in. No, if you want me, you have to give me all of this. Because I want all of you and everything that comes with you. And so you give it all to him. And he carries it all. And so we take that. Truth, combined with what Peter is telling us, and now here's what we find. Sometimes he carries all of your burdens and he carries you. And sometimes, once you've been rested enough, he begins to let you carry some of those burdens so that you might draw from his resurrection power by faith you're drawing from his strength the strength that comes from the resurrection in order for you to face the trial that's before you but you can't do any of this until your hand touches his until in desperation you reach for him and now you're starting to become like this alchemist or this chemist trying things out and so you have burdens and you've got to figure it out you've got the burdens you're stirring them up you've got your faith and you're stirring it up and now you've got to figure out where is Christ in all of this Is he carrying you right now? Or is he allowing you to face some of this stuff, some of these trials, and causing you to have no other choice but to finally draw from the strength that can only come from him? And you need to know this, that there's no one-size-fits-all for this. I can't tell you what to do from up here to all of you down there because it's different for every single one of you. This is personal between you and Christ. And the only way that you know what this concoction looks like is by you going to him. And you have to go to him. Nothing works until you go to him. And this means that your transformation in your life is a lifelong journey, this lifelong dance between you and him. And that means it takes time. And you're Americans. And you don't like to wait for anything. You want everything right now. And you don't really, you want moxie. And you want everything that comes with it. But you don't want to face the struggles that are required first. But Peter is saying, there's no other way. Burdens plus faith equals moxie. And that brings us to the use of burdens. There's two uses we're going to look at. Two uses of burdens that come into your life that bring about your transformation. And those two uses are this. First, burdens will drive you to Christ. Second, they'll help you know Christ. So first, if you want moxie, you have to go to him and you are stubborn, and you're arrogant, and you don't think that you need him really at all. But then the trials come, then the pain comes, then the heartache comes, and you get to this point to where you're finally desperate that you're driven right to him. He's the resurrection. He's not a tool to get to the resurrection he is the resurrection and the resurrection starts now which means that the, the resurrection is about you changing and becoming more of who you're meant to become more of the version of you that you're meant to become in heaven and in order for you to get to the resurrection now to be transformed now you have to go to him because in the gospel of John he says I am the resurrection and the life And here we need to deal with something. We need to deal with what true moxie is and false moxie. There is a moxie, an earthly moxie that fights through pain and through suffering. So earthly moxie. Here's what it looks like. A fight with the hope that after the fight is over, I will have joy and peace. That's earthly moxie. Heavenly moxie is the fight is happening right now, and in the midst of the fight, you have joy and peace. It's not something that's found after the fight. It's something that's found right now as you're fighting through faith in Christ. And and if you have the earthly moxie, well, here's how you know. You're fighting really hard. You've got grit except you don't have joy and you don't have peace through the fight, but you're hoping that if you work hard enough and fight hard enough, you'll get to the thing you're chasing and then finally have joy and peace. But what you're gonna find is even then there's gonna be a letdown. And a perfect example of this is the 27 Club. So this 27 Club is a group of artists who are mostly musicians and actors and they chased success. They chased fame and they worked hard at it. And they were talented enough to get it. And as soon as they got it, they realized it would never deliver. And immediately, once they found that, their life turned meaningless and empty. And so, what happened is at the age of 27, most of these people either took their own life or they lived a reckless life because of the emptiness they felt, and they were gone at the age of 27. The chase made them hope and a future hope, but it didn't deliver. The resurrection will deliver a hope and a peace now. But if you make anything other than Christ your hope, then you are finding a dead hope. A hope that can't enter into the pain and suffering. A hope that can't punch through the worst of it. But the resurrection hope punches through even the pain and suffering and gives you something to hold on to. That can't be taken from you. Because he can't be taken from you. So that's the first use of burdens. It's driving you to him. Here's the second use. The burdens drive you to him so you might know him. And specifically... To know Him as the suffering God. The burden comes. The pain comes. The loss comes. And what do you do? You're driven to Him. And you're driven to Him more and more. And the more you go to Him, the more you know Him. But the more specifically you know Him, who is the God who felt loss, who felt heartache, who felt pain, who felt suffering, all for you. So we are scarred by this world. But when we are scarred, we run to him so that we might better know the one who was scarred for the world. And then we see this truth. That it was a joy for him to endure the cross. The Bible tells us that. It's not a joy for him to endure the cross specifically, but a joy for him to endure the cross because of what the cross would produce in you. His eyes were fixed on you before he endured the cross and it gave him joy because he saw the version of you that you would become. And then we see in the Gospel of John this story about doubting Thomas where Thomas says, look, sure, show me this resurrected Christ and then I'll believe. So, he says, I want to see his hands, the holes in his hands and the holes in his side. So then Jesus comes to him, the resurrected Christ, and he shows him the holes in his hands and his side. Now, here's the significance of this that I want you to hear right now. This is the resurrected Christ. His new body has wounds, scars, from the burdens that he carried out of his love for you, which means for all of eternity, we're going to be looking upon the throne of this magnificent king and see the wounds that he carried from here the scars that he carried from his wounds here for all of eternity, and we're going to see them and we're going to say, that is how much he loves me. For all of eternity. And here's what else that means for you. When you are scarred, when you are wounded, when you have a loss, and you go running to him, he knows everything that you feel. And he knows the weight of it all. Which means you can identify with him you can know that he knows exactly what you are going through. And not only that, when you see that he knows what you're going through, you realize what you're going through, he voluntarily put himself through it so that he could get you. Your suffering is very real. It hurts. And it's very painful. And his was also. He didn't only metaphorically rise from the dead, but he also, no, he didn't metaphorically rise from the dead. He literally did. And he didn't metaphorically suffer and die. He literally did this and he did it for you. And that brings us to our most difficult and beautiful truth. That the worse it gets, the better you get. Maybe not at first. Jesus's plunge into death in hell looked like the absolute worst, and it was the absolute worst thing that has ever happened in all the cosmos. The death of God, the suffering God. Yet it brought about the best thing that has ever happened for all the world resurrection for all the earth. That means that there's a pattern. That when we are thrown into the worst of it, we come out more like gold. The deeper in the pain you are brought, the more transformed you are when you come out of it. And many times you hear people say in churches, "Oh, you're going through some hard times. We'll just pray and believe." And those are that's good advice. It's just the way that it's said. It's as if, come on, you're gonna be okay. And do you know what Jesus is saying? I know you're not okay right now. I'm aware of that, because I know what it felt like to not be okay on the cross. And this is God who's saying this. He knows everything. And it's as if Peter, And the Bible and God doesn't want us to just kind of be aloof about it, but to actually have the courage to look deep into the pain and loss and heartache and to be honest about what's going on in our life and to look at the worst of it, but to look at it not alone, but with Him. And when we do that, we begin to taste the sweetness of this resurrection life that somehow this electrical woven thread that has been brought down into this world that has been woven into us by our faith somehow gives us the strength to stand up when we've been knocked on our backs. The art of Christianity is learning how to hold out your hand to the resurrected Christ. When you suffer, reach for the hand who suffered in your place so that suffering would not be your end. And when you feel like all hope is lost, reach for the living hope that will pull you up out of the deepest and darkest and the worst of it. The same power that conquered the grave is available through faith in the resurrection in the same way that Christ's power showed itself when things were at their worst in his greatest trial, the same way that his strength and power shows itself in your life in the midst of your trials. Because burdens plus faith in the resurrection equals moxie. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would Teach us how to lift up our hand to our sweet resurrected Savior. Jesus, you are a king, and you are a king who came into weakness and showed his power. And so we pray in our weakness, we would take hold of you so that your strength and power might live in us so that we might face the problems of the day. With courage and bravery, not because we have it all together, but because you are beside us. And when things get too bad for us, you will carry us up out. Help us to believe. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.